concentrate on you, to receive instruction from you, direction, vision, insight, in the way that only you can see it, for you are the omniscient Father. You are the omnipotent one, the almighty God. You've bestowed your love upon us, and you've called us children, sons and daughters, so we can be heirs of yours and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything we need provided to live this amazing life that Jesus purchased for us to live in fellowship with you. So we are thankful. We are grateful. Holy Spirit, fill this place that every single person, whatever their situation, might encounter you as the anointing, you as the teacher, the one that will lead and guide them from this place throughout their week, guiding and directing their steps, giving them wisdom and understanding and anointing to minister to those around them. And so we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty and matchless, majestic name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen. amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. It's so good to be with you. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us uh, by live stream. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. Why don't you all turn to the camera and just give Meeker campus uh, an applaud. We're glad that you are with us, everybody else who's with us. All of you that are here, I believe that God is doing great things. Not going to do, but he is in the midst of doing great things. We are uh, stepping over the threshold, I believe, into a mighty move of the Spirit of God for the last days. It's been prophesied that there would be a last day revival, and we're not waiting for it anymore, but we are stepping in to something that God is doing in the earth, and he won't do it without you, the church. And so as you look in the mirror, you need to look every morning and say, God lives in you, and God's doing some mighty things in you for this time and this day. This is the time of the church. Amen? Praise the Lord. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, by the authority of God's word, you are not my problem. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. We're, we are uh, so grateful, so thankful. I, uh, I'm always amazed. I don't know where Alan, who he calls. Uh, to the best of my memory, I have never seen that picture of me ever. <laughs> I think Alan took a picture of himself with his little puppy and photoshopped my head on there. Uh, we've known Alan and Jan for, for a long time. I've known Aunt Alan uh, since I was just a, a kid, uh, Bat Boy, and for his team, he played for my dad uh, when he was, I think, 10 or 11, something like that. And uh, so uh, when they came here, Alan and Jan came here, we were looking at each other and said, I think I know you, and found out we came from the same town, and all that history uh, goes back. But uh, uh, I love his sense of humor, and uh, uh, he always comes up with something new, and uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. We're just so thankful for all of you and, and people like that, and Bucky and Jan and Ed and Donna and uh, Dan and Karen, and I'm going to miss somebody, and I apologize for that. I'm looking around, and I, it always happens. But uh, for all of you that have been here, uh, for New Creation Church, really, uh, those that I named almost 40 years, some of you uh, 30 years with Tasha and I, some of you it might just be a year, but we're as thankful for you as we are for anyone because God is still moving. Amen. And uh, he's still growing the church and growing the body, and so we're uh, really deeply thankful we could not uh, have done what we have done without you, without our, our staff, without our, our leaders, uh, and without each and every one of you coming and adding your supply. Our vision is every member in their place, and it's so important as people find their place because there's a supernatural supply. And really, you can't say, you know what, they don't need me this Sunday. I'll just go do my own thing, but every Sunday there's a supply that comes together and uh, it really adds to what God is doing. And the Bible says that if we really understand what Jesus Christ did, we don't only have fellowship with the Father and the Son, but we have fellowship with one another. We have deep fellowship with one another. Something supernatural is going on, that the blood of Jesus is moving to cleanse us all 
from sin. There's something that goes on in the church when we understand we're not just coming, it's not a social event. We're coming, we're adding a supply, we're knit together as a body, and the life-giving flow of that blood begins to move and clean out what would break down the body and begin to wipe it out and bring the life of God that strengthens each one of us and the body. And so, uh, you know, we couldn't have done it without you. I mean, this, this time comes, uh, you appreciate us at this time of year and uh, are truly humbled. I, you know, I generally don't know what to say because I know, I know who I am. And without the grace of God and without you all, we could have never made it and uh, accomplish what we've accomplished. We have a, yeah, uh, much left to accomplish. And without uh, this young lady over here, I definitely couldn't have done anything. Um, she is a support. She is a gift from God, not just to me, but to you. And uh, the anointing on her life uh, is powerful and increasing. And so uh, I'll tell you, it's just been a, an honor and a privilege uh, to serve God and to serve you and to serve with you. And I believe that we're going to see much more happen in the days to come because we are in something that God is doing and uh, we'll learn more, we'll see more, he'll create more vision of how we're not just going to come together, but we're going to go out from this place and make an impact in our community. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, something else? Uh, a number of things going on today, this service and next service. Uh, we're going to dedicate some uh, babies, and, uh, but we want to make sure that we acknowledge all of our veterans. If you've served in our armed forces and you're a veteran, would you please stand up? And we want to acknowledge you for what you've done for us and for our nation. We appreciate you so much. Glory to God. Cannot express enough how much it means to us. The Bible says that greater love has no one than this, and that they would lay down their life for their friends. And uh, you all stepped out and put your life on the line for people that you didn't even know. You basically called the friends, our, our Americans, and even others, you called them friend by going and serving and putting your life on the line. And the families of each and every one uh, put their life out there as uh, you went out to serve our nation. And so we're uh, so glad and so glad that you're here, so glad for your service uh, and thankful uh, for your service to our, our nation. We appreciate you, and we honor you. Amen. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles to Romans, the fifth chapter. I want to take just a few moments to continue on in the series of messages that we've been talking about, PPE, patience, perseverance, and endurance. And they're all connected in some way and moving in that direction. We are talking about perseverance right now in this uh, particular uh, time and season. I'll try not to review too much stuff so we can get into what we want to talk about today. But uh, as we look at it again, remember that just how we're putting it together, patience, the, the Bible says in James chapter one, it says, count it all joy, uh, brethren, when temptings, testings, and trials come your way. The trying of your faith works patience. And let patience have its perfect work that you might be complete and entire, lacking Nothing. So in the midst of a test of your faith, patience is something that is working a, a perfection or a fullness or a completeness of your faith. So when you come out of that trial of your faith, you have worked your faith, you have uh, uh, applied your faith in that test to come out the other side believing God. Now, if you've ever, I mean, just any of us, we've gone through trials that we didn't come out the other side believing God. We came out going, my God, why did that even happen? <laughs> my God, where were you when that happened? But it didn't mean he wasn't there. It just meant we failed that test. And so when the test comes, what we do is we begin to go into the word. We meditate on the word. As Alan said, there's not anything that you're going through that the word does not address. It addresses how you work through offense. It, it addresses how you heal wounds. It addresses how if there's sickness in your body, your financial condition, your mental, emotional state, it addresses all of it. And there's scripture that God has said what he's done in Christ Jesus 
for you. And so as we meditate on that word, we begin to praise him and we begin to thank him for that. We begin to declare it out of our own mouth. We find a place to begin to serve, to to focus on him and others. We find a place where we're not surrounded by people who remind us of that and continue to inflict those things, but people who support where we're going with God. And that builds our faith. And we come out the other side more complete, more believing God. But as we come out the other side, There are other things that will come. There's other things that will take place. It's not a one and done situation. We'd love it if it was one and done. I went through a test. I got by it through faith. One and done. Praise the Lord. I've been perfected. Now I'm good. But it's not a one and done. And so this aspect of perseverance is incredibly important to us. Because just as patience is completing and working our faith, once we have faith in God... We're going to go through situations that applying that faith is going to be vitally important. So we run into things where we need to apply our faith, but if we haven't built our faith, we haven't utilized our faith in a smaller test, then we're not going to apply it for a length of time and persevere in faith to get to the other side. As we're building our faith, as our faith is being tested, we're getting into the Word of God. What does faith in the Word of God do? It begins to create vision. It begins to create who you are in Christ, what God has planned for you, the possibilities that before knowing Him and understanding what He's done were impossible, but now He shows you possibilities that take place. He shows you that He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that He we ask or think. He shows you that you're a new creation in Christ. Christ Jesus, that the old things have passed away and everything has become new. So you don't have to live the old kind of life based on the old rules and the law. But now we live by grace and mercy. We live by faith in the Son of God. And so it creates a whole new vision of where we're going. But we don't just get there with a magic wand. We get there by putting one foot in front of the other every single day. By dealing with every situation and saying, whatever it takes, I'm in it till the end. As the Apostle Paul said, I've run my race and I've finished my course. He didn't say, I ran and quit in the middle. He said, no matter what, I've fought the good fight of faith. And I've finished my race. So there's a fight of faith, but there's also a finishing that gets done. And so in this place of perseverance, there's something that's happening that's developing character on the inside of us that's very important. So Romans chapter 5. We've looked at this. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation or troubles, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is from God. Beginning to end, faith works by love. Everything that we do works by love. He says, listen, when we have perseverance and that perseverance creates a character in us, now that we have godly character developed, it creates hope. You know, we live in a hopeless society. When you talk to people, many people have no hope. They listen to the news. They listen to the media. They look at their marriage. They look at their finances and they have no hope. But they don't know what to do about it. They don't know what they are going to do about it. But we as believers should say, listen, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to apply the word of God. And as I apply the word of God, I see these characteristics develop. And now I know that I'm going to get through this. I'm going to come out the other side. I'm going to stay with Jesus no matter what happens because there's an end to this thing and I'm staying with it. And all of a sudden, you start to get hope. You get an expectation of what's going on. And people will say, you're just crazy. But you say, listen, I'm not crazy. My hope is based on something. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Right? So my expectation comes because of what Jesus did. And I'm no longer just a sinner struggling with sin. But I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in that right relationship, my whole nature is being changed. I'm being conformed to the image of him who created him. 
And I'm not going to quit until that takes place. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul said this. He said, I labor like a mother in birth pains until Christ is formed in you. See, we didn't get, get born again. We didn't receive Jesus to just stay the same old kind of person till we die in all that mess. All the mess we were, we, we were in in our life, just kind of get by, go to church, and then go to heaven and say, that's it. No, we got born of the Spirit of God, a brand new life on the inside of us. And God wants to work the life from the inside to the outside. And all the characteristics that go with that life to begin to show forth to the outside, that character of God. So we know that this character has to be something that we can't just talk about, but it actually is developed. And it's developed through a proving ground or a time of proving. That's why perseverance is so important because trouble will come and trouble will endeavor to persist. Because the whole idea that the enemy has is to cause you to, first of all, doubt God. That's why patience to develop faith is so important. Because he will persist to get you to doubt God. And if he can get you to doubt God, he can get you to quit. And if he can get you to quit, he can get you away from your divine destiny. He can steal your vision, destroy God's plan. And so many people have gotten off of God's plan and settled for something less than the best simply because they weren't patient to develop faith and they could not persist when the enemy continued to bring trouble. But Paul said, listen, I don't glory, I don't expect trouble, but I glory because I found out that if I put my faith in Jesus, trouble comes and I have perseverance and my character continues. The life of God, the reflection of Jesus continues to develop. As trouble comes, I see the whole meaning. I see the reason for the trouble. It's trying to stop me from what I've seen the word says about me. And I will not be defeated. I won't quit. I won't stop because the end goal, the end is far better than the beginning because my beginning was dead in my trespasses and sins. The end is me looking like a son of God come on the end looks a lot better than the beginning so I want I want some stuff I don't want to just look like Jesus come on now you got to start gazing at Jesus once you start seeing Jesus right once you start seeing Jesus everything changes Come on, he's the epitome of wisdom. That's what we do. Wisdom, it says, with wisdom, there's riches and honor in her right hand, and there's long life in her left hand, and we get distracted by what's in her hands. But let me just tell you, if you get wisdom, you get what's in her hands. If you're just trying to grasp at what's in wisdom's hands, you keep missing. But if you just grab a hold of wisdom, you get what's in her hands. If we just start to grab a hold of what's gotten a hold of us, we get everything that God has that pertains to life and godliness. So the end is better than the beginning. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul said this. Again, we've read this. He said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded or like-souled who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character. Everybody say proven character. He says that proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So he said, listen, there's something about Timothy that was proven or tested character. That word means proven or tested. So sometimes we don't like to be tested. You know, even as volunteers in the church, don't put any test on me. I'm volunteering. You should just be thankful I'm volunteering. But within the Bible... Uh, we see that really there's an aspect for the benefit of the person growing and then the people that they're serving to really be put to a test or their character be proven. So in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said this. He's instructing Timothy, a pastor, how to appoint leadership and structure in the church. He lines all that out, but he makes this statement in verse 10. He says, but let these, speaking of deacons, Sometimes we look at deacons a little bit differently, but the deacons that he was talking about were simply people who were helping administrate or wait tables or serve the people. Diakonos means to serve. They were just serving people. And when you look at the requirements for deacons, just people serving in the church, 
It was pretty high, high uh, standard. Why? Because they were starting to serve, but just as in the book of Acts when they appointed uh, the seven men of good report to serve tables, guess what happened? Those men were of good character. They were pure in their faith, and they began to serve tables, and what they began to do when they served tables is start to minister the gospel. They didn't say, what are we doing here? Just serving tables, serving these widows. I mean, golly, I thought we were going to be able to minister. No, they started ministering right where they were at. Stephen started getting people born again, so they drug him out and said, what are you doing teaching this uh, gospel of Jesus Christ? And they stoned him to death. And when they stoned him to death, he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Whoo! I mean, he got Jesus' attention. Philip started out just waiting tables, serving people, but he had a great character. He developed character, and he went out to Samaria, won a whole city to Jesus Christ, but he didn't start out winning cities. He started out as a deacon. He started out as a servant. And so he says of these, Paul says of these, he said, but let these also first be tested. Let them serve as deacons being found blameless. He said, there's something here. You can, we can say that we have character. We can say that we really have developed things, but it really takes a time of being with people. <laughs> and not just people you like. That's the wonder of the body. You all are so different. If we went from this end to this end, your background, your upbringing, your gender, your giftings, your callings, what's happened to you through life is so different. And God said, it's such a wonder that we could bring all of you together and fit you together and actually make it work. Because we're developing the love of God. And for you to see things in people that otherwise you'd not see because of their personality, but because they're in Christ, you see something that God is doing, not what the world has done to them, but what Christ is doing in them. And we begin to see if he's doing it in them and he's doing it in me, he's linking something together. So really we're in this place of a proven ground and we're going through time to have our character proven and tempered and tested. So that when real adversity comes, not just some trouble, real adversity, we know how to endure till the end. Jesus talks about the end times and the things that will happen, and he says, but he who endures clear to the end will receive the crown of life. We receive that white robe. He talks about how, how all that he's looking for people developing the character that it takes to move and endure to the end, not fall off just because somebody said something or it didn't work out how we thought it was going to work out. But when it's not working out how we thought it would work out, we get back in to see what God said about it. And we begin to renew our faith and say, I can stick with it because if God said it, He's able to perform it. And if he said it, he is faithful to complete it. So I can stick with it. And that's what perseverance is. It's sticking with it. And if you got born again, he started something in you that he plans on finishing. And he'll be faithful to finish it if you and I stick with it. And so perseverance is that aspect of sticking with it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 says, When Christ who is our life appears... Then you will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. He said, listen, this is a change of character. A change of character. Character is a definition of character, uh, the distinguishing feature of something with moral constitution, something that is developed in strong moral quality. What is morality? It's the ability or you are capable of distinguishing between right and wrong. 
He says, we're developing a character, and we understand that the old man is doing things that are not pleasing to God. All that he just listed was was the character or the characteristics of the old man. He said, there's a development to leave aside the character of the old and begin to put on the character of the new. You can go and continue to read that. He describes what the character of the new is. In Galatians, he describes it like this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the character produced in the human spirit by the Holy Spirit, the new characteristics that belong to you and I that need to be grown and developed, they're fruit, they're being produced until they are come to fruition. But we persevere through the growing season. We persevere through the planting, the watering, the growing, and we stay with it until they come to fruition. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. There's no law against loving people. There's just no law against it. Yep. See, the enemy's like, why would you love people after what they've done? But there's really no law against it. Nope. In fact, you're better off by it. Yeah. You know, there is a law against murdering people. Yeah. There used to be laws against adultery, not so much in our society anymore. Come on, the characteristics of the old man, we hold on to those and say, these are my characteristics. When we talk about character, we're usually just talking about something different, but you can't have true character and have these things lingering in your background. That's why it's so important to build our faith and know that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. So I put everything under the blood and my past and my background was washed away with the blood of Jesus. Say, well, the devil keeps reminding me of it. That's why we patiently continue to build our faith and say, that's not who I am anymore. But at the same time, when we say, that's not who I am anymore, somebody is going to come back and say, prove it. Prove it. Right? So, you know, uh, just talking about being here for uh, however many years I've been here, almost 40 years. Uh, my, my family, uh, my two sisters, my two older sisters live in the Denver area. And so my, old, my sister that's right over me just decided she's going to sell her house. And so she uh, found a realtor, and that realtor used to go to our church. And so uh, that realtor starts talking to my sister, which I'm really happy about this. I'm not boasting on me. I'm just, I'll, I'll share, I'll get to the point. But she starts, oh, Pastor Mark this and Pastor Mark that and Pastor Mark dedicated our babies and Pastor Mark and Pastor Mark and Pastor Mark. And my sister said, I don't think these people know or th- know that I know you. <laughs> and they don't know that I know you when. And I said, but you haven't been around me because what you know about me isn't really who I am, so you should listen to them. Come on, somebody will always try to remind you of who you used to be, but God is here to remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. And that's why we persevere and we stay with it, because everybody who's counting on you failing should be proven wrong. I remember, you know, uh, 40 years ago working uh, when I was going to Bible school, and we worked in the City of Faith Hospital that was being built. I don't know what it is right now, but the 60-story building. We stocked that with sheetrock. And so, you know, when, you, when you're in Tulsa, there's all kinds of believers in Tulsa, but there's all kinds of unbelievers in Tulsa. So we're working on this construction site in, the, in this freight elevator. And so these guys were riding up with us one day, this group of guys that were going to get off on a different floor and work. And just listening to their conversation, they started talking about, you know, uh, we'll just call him Bob. His name really wasn't Bob, but Bob. Oh, man, Bob found religion. Bob found religion. And this was the first thing one of the guys said. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. He'll be back to doing the same old thing pretty soon. We've seen that before. Why would the world say we'll see how long that lasts? Because we haven't persevered until our character of him is fully developed. We need to set in our mind, just you wait and see. 
I got some stuff to show you. Because it's not me that's doing it. It's Christ in me doing the work. He's working in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. And what he started, he's going to finish. All I'm going to do is obey and let him finish the transformation process. I am in the middle of a makeover. Come on, and when you show up somewhere at that family reunion, when you show up with those people you grew up with, and you said, just a moment, just a moment, pull the truck in front of here and show who I used to be. Now, let's pull that thing aside and go, and have them say, oh, my God, what happened to you? Come on. Sometimes we don't even get to the reveal because we think the cost is too high. But the cost is never greater than the prize. Not with God. And so that proving process, that place that we go, he's developing this love, this joy, this peace, this long-suffering, this kindness, this goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, the old man, with its passions and with its desires. Because if we live in the spirit, we also should walk in the spirit. He said it's going to take some time to kill off all that stuff, the memories of that stuff. It's going to take some persevering to get out of the old and into the new. Then it's going to take some time to let that fruit grow until it comes to fruition. And we need to persevere the process knowing that the end is better than the beginning. So how are we going to do that? James says we lay aside all filthiness, all overflow of wickedness. We lay aside the things that were were hindering our life and we receive with meekness the implanted word of God because it's able to save our soul. The word of God is able to wash us from the memories of the past and wash us and give us a vision of a future without sin, without shame, without guilt. The word is able to cause us to see. I don't have to be afraid of laying that aside and not knowing what to do. I can lay that aside, put it under the blood, let it be buried with Christ because I'm raised to a newness of life. But I can't just know that. I have to find it in his word so that I can believe it because he said it about me. Ephesians 4 says that we put off concerning of the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. It's something that we take our time to do to receive and put the word of God to the test and apply the word of God. So this proving ground comes in many different ways. We're just going to cover a couple this morning. Next week, cover a couple. But you have to understand that there are things going on in day-to-day life. This is all moving simultaneously. We're moving at the speed of life. God is working in every day, in you, every day. How many of you believe that he's working in you? Right? It says he's working in you. He's not taking time off. God didn't take a vacation with you. What he started, he'll be faithful every day to work in you to bring about his good pleasure, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Not only working it in you, but working it through you so that we are doing his good pleasure. And he's not going to quit on us. But because of that, we have to recognize what's going on on a daily basis and how that is testing our character and when we pass the test people will say you have proven character so the first thing that helps us we started this last week the first thing that helps us is really small things most people bail on small things our character is revealed that we have too much pride to just do the small thing and to help out with the small thing Matthew chapter 25 we looked at that last week you know, the, the talents, one got five, one got two, one got one, each one according to their own ability. You know, sometimes when we look at it, somebody gives us something, God gives us a, a job, God gives us a duty, and we start thinking, you know what, I don't have time, but God gives according to your own ability. Do you know, I don't know if you know this, this might be such a religious thing that we have to back off and bring it to reality, but, but every single person has exactly the same amount of time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Alan didn't get 28 hours a day, and that's why he gets so much more done than everybody else. No, everybody, 
He was blessed. How did you get so much more? I got cheated on my time. No, everybody has exactly the same amount of time. So when God gives you something to do, he's not, he's not saying, I'm going to cheat you, each one according to their own ability. God didn't say, well, I gave you something that will take more time than someone else. There is time for everyone. It's what we do with what we have that makes a difference. And so in, it really, in essence, when God comes and asks us to do the small things, he's just seeing, listen, I'm not going to take up much of your time. I'm just going to see how you view this and what you do with this time. Because this is a small thing, and if you can't do something with a small thing in a little bit of time and make it something, then certainly if we've got a big thing, you'll bail. And that's what a lot of people want. They want to lead people, but then when they find out, people are harder to lead than you thought. But usually they find out people are hard to lead because they were a person that was hard to lead. Listen, everybody didn't want to start their own business because they like working for somebody that much. Well, that got quiet. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. Come on, looking at the little things. Say, do you think we shouldn't have our own business? No, I like entrepreneurs. I'm just saying if you want to have people work for you, Hopefully, you work for somebody, and we're faithful with the little things. Jesus says this again in Luke chapter 16. Again, he's talking about stewardship and how we we serve here. He's talking about a different steward that did different things. But he ends with this, Luke 16, verse 10. He says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. In other words, there's a character issue here. It's not the amount of things. It's in you. Well, I, I, I would do better if you gave me something I could really handle. No. He said, if you're not faithful with little, we know your character. You won't really be faithful with what is much. It's a test of our character. He is faithful in little, is faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. In other words, if you cut the corners when it's a little thing because it doesn't mean that much to you, then you will cut the corners when it's really important. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, if you've not been faithful with money, who will commit to your trust true riches? See, we spend all of our time, and I understand this, laboring, just as Alan, he referred to Matthew chapter 6. Why are you worried and laboring and spending all your time just trying to make money? Put a roof over your head, clothes on your... Don't you understand who I am and what I can do for you? But see, we put all of our priority on that, and he says, listen, that's a little thing. Working and managing your money is a little thing. He said, if you can prove that you can do that, I've got some real riches that I want to put in your hands. He said, money's one thing, people are another, right? So John, he's standing here, he can tell you. I think he really got it. Uh, well, we kind of worked a lot to, to bring it, but you know, he's our maintenance guy. The, the, the lawns look great around here, don't they? And so he's got it. Go ahead and you can give him a hand. That would be good. So Todd's here somewhere. Where are you, Todd? There he is right behind John, our maintenance guys. But John, we really talked about it a lot. I've talked to it about all the maintenance guys. He passes it on now. He actually, I find out he passes it to them. Uh, Zane's got it. But you know, when they start saying, you know what, I'm in ministry. I, I want to be in ministry. We start taking care of the lawn. And I'm like, man, you see that piece of grass, you know, that patch? Uh, it's dying. And they're looking at it. Hmm. I said, well, it ain't dead yet. But It's dying. Because grass gets a tint to it. It's like a dark green. Not a good green. Not a bluegrass green. Like a black green. Right before it turns brown. And you can save it in a heartbeat if you water it. And they look and they go, hmm, okay. Well, I'll check the sprinklers. So turn the sprinklers on. Look, they're working. Turn them off. The grass turns brown and it dies. Anybody check? We check the sprinklers. Well, you don't check the sprinklers just to see if the sprinklers come on. You go over to the sprinkler 
and you find out if it has a rock in it, so it's spraying like that, oh, this is why this is dead. I'm not giving you a course on lawn care. <laughs> but I just tell them, if you can't see grass dying, how are you going to see what's going on with people? Come on, I don't want to be out here tending to the grass. I don't want to be out here just maintaining the lawn. Well, if you want to be in ministry, there's a lot of parallels between maintaining the grass Come on. and maintaining people's lives. Yeah. Seeing what's going on. Knowing what to do. Knowing when to cut, when to fertilize, when not to. How to check a sprinkler and there's a clog in it. Who are you going to call? He who's faithful in least will be faithful in much. We think it doesn't even connect. But God is bringing little things into our path. How do we treat those around us? How do we see in, in marriage and in family? How do we see what we're doing? The little things. The little, we always want to talk about the big things. What's happening? What are we doing? Just the, the words that we're speaking, the tone that we're speaking, the gifts that we bring, the love that we show in difficult times. What is it that we're doing in the little things that we skip over and then all of a sudden it's a big issue and we don't know what to do with it? Why? Because we haven't developed our character because the little things didn't matter. We wanted to get on to something bigger. Yeah. But he said, this test of the little things is incredibly important. Jesus is saying this. You all can leave and say, Pastor Mark said it, but Jesus actually said it. He said, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful, if you have not ever been faithful with what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? If you've not been faithful with what is another man's. You know, there's one thing I can, I can say, and I'm thankful for the grace of God. You know, when I got sent here, God said specifically, so I had a word from God. My faith had been built up. And again, I didn't hear an audible voice. I know sometimes when you say that, people go, I never hear from God. It was just a knowing in my knower. I was asking, what do you want me to do after school? Where do you want me to go? I just had a sense, go to Glenwood Springs, you know, that couple that you met that day. <laughs> I didn't know them at the time. That couple, yeah, but uh, you remember, God, don't you, that they said that they were hiring somebody else? You remember that, don't you, God? See, sometimes we think God's not paying attention. <laughs> just making sure. Now, just to be sure, you heard what they were saying, right? They're not hiring a youth pastor. He said, I know. I want you to go and help them with whatever they need help with. So lots of times that meant stuff I really didn't want to do. And I'm telling you, there's been times when I was on my knees scrubbing the floor in that other building if you were there. And there was times when I was scrubbing the floor saying, you know, because I heard Jerry Savelle say how he started with Brother Copeland, praying over that floor, declaring Everybody whose feet set on this floor is going to get saved, praise the Lord. But there were days <laughs> when I was scrubbing the floor going, God, I don't know what's going on here. I went to Bible school. You said you called me into the ministry, and I see no ministry going on here. I see me doing slave labor. <laughs> Just saying. It'd be easy for me to say I did it perfect. I had to come back to Jerry Savelle and say, if it worked for him, God, and that you told me a similar thing, then it'll work for me. I got to get my attitude straightened out about these little things. That's why it probably took 10 years. Had to work through some attitudes. But getting the attitude right and sticking with it. So this is what Pastor Craig said. He said, he says it a lot. It cracks me up still. He said, so Mark came and said he was supposed to be here. And he stuck with it, and he stuck with it, and he stuck with it, and now he's stuck with it. <laughs> Come on, there was just something in getting through that stuff, but it didn't happen immediately. There was some perseverance through some things that I needed to work with. When I was persevering, I thought I was persevering with Pastor Craig, but I wasn't persevering with Pastor Craig. I was persevering with flaws in myself that had to be developed. 
I was persevering. It was taking longer, not because of someone else. It was taking longer because I was ignoring what God was trying to develop in me. And it hasn't ended yet. That's why I'm always so thankful for you. You have persevered with me. People who have been here from the beginning, they're like, dear God, thank you for changing him at least a little bit. Because a work is going on that he's not finished yet. He's not finished with any of us yet. That's why we persevere. That's why we make it through the small things. And going through the small things does something. It begins to challenge and test our motivation. Your motivation is part of your character that tells you why you do what you do. Because many times we don't have proper motive in what we do. And if we really begin to look at the motivation that we should have in our life and understand what it is, we could look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Starting in verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of, where am I at? Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And though I have all faith that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now listen, if you went through this whole list of things about communication, about your giftings in God, and about giving your life up, you would immediately go, hmm, those people love people. But he says you could actually do that stuff and not love people. And actually, if you do all that stuff, you can think you're a great communicator, but if you don't love people, if it's all about you and you're making your point, and it's not for people to receive and to understand and communicate, it'll, be, it'll just be noise. He said, you can be as spiritual as you want to be, but if it's about your spirituality and really just comes down to your, your personal ministry and what people think about that, he said, really, you're not what you think you are spiritually. He said, it doesn't matter how much you've given or given up. If it was all for you to be recognized and noticed, it really didn't profit you anything to give up all that in the end if you're offended because you weren't recognized. So what was your motive in the first place of developing your spirit, man, of communicating with people, of giving of yourself? What was your motive? And it will always be tested over time. God, I'm going to give this and ask nothing in return till six months later. And you're talking and somebody says, you know, I've done a lot and nobody's even noticed me. You know what? Me too. Six months ago, I did something and nobody even said thank you. Was that your motivation? Now listen, for everybody's like, whoo, good, I don't have to thank anybody more. That's not what I'm saying. But if our motive is not love... And so the motive test comes to every single person. In Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1, starting in verse 8, you know, Satan was roaming around the earth and he had to come and check in. Verse 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Now, again, we look at this, and it's, it's like this question. If you read it in the Hebrew, it doesn't say, did, hey, while you were down there, did you check in on Job and see how great he was? It actually, that word, have you considered Job, means you have been roaming the earth, and you have set your sights on my servant Job. You've set your sights on him. He, did, he pulls your attention because he is my servant. He is a righteous man in all of his ways. He's blameless and he's upright, so you've zeroed in on him. And Satan answered and said to the Lord, does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possession having, possessions have increased in the land. But now just stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. What's the devil doing? He's questioning Job's motive. Job only serves you because things are going good. The moment things go bad, 
he'll curse you. There's times when things will be going good, and there's times that things will be going bad. Paul said, listen, my character has been tested. Philippians chapter 4, he said, I've learned to be abound in many blessings. He said, I've learned to be abased. I've learned to be rich. I've learned to be poor. I've learned to be out and be free. I've learned to be in prison. But I've learned in whatever state I'm in, I'm content knowing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's motive, he said, was to serve Jesus and to be pleasing to him. He said, I can do anything that I need to do. I can endure anything that I need to endure because the love of God never departs from me. There's that place of motivation that we step into. So I'm just going to ask you a couple questions and we're going to close. Just a couple of questions. And we need to ask ourselves. If we ask ourselves, even this morning, why do we go to church? Now, here I might hurt myself because, like, well, I came to church to appreciate you. It was Pastor Appreciation Day. But, so that's a good motive. Uh, but anyway, say, so why do you go to church? Well, I go to church to make friends. Go to your church to be able to use my talents. I learn, go to church for my children to learn about God. I go to church as a place of fellowship with people. I go to church to learn the Bible. And all those are awesome But listen to what Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, says. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. He says, what's our motivation? Our motivation is that Jesus laid down everything to engraft us into his body, the church. Our motivation should be, what is it that I bring? How can I exhort one another? What am I growing in? Because it's about being knit into the body. I'm a member of his body. Well, I'm going to leave church because the music's not good, and that's not our motivation, whether the music's good or not. And we ask ourselves, why do we praise God? Well, if the music's good, the tempo's good. It's, the Psalms 92 says this. Those, uh, actually, excuse me. It's a 90, Psalms 150 says this. Praise the Lord. Praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise ye the Lord. It doesn't matter what the music's like. It doesn't matter. Why do we praise him? Because he is excellent in all of his ways. He's the almighty God. Do we praise him when we feel like it? Do we praise him when things are going good? Only? No, we praise him when things are going good. We praise him when things are going bad. Why? Because our motive in praising him is him. He's the answer to every situation. He is the almighty God. He is the great. God of the universe. Jesus is the master of all. And he loved us so much that he redeemed our life. We praise him. In the 92nd Psalm, it says this. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. It says that those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts, uh, in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, again, you can look at that and say the courts are like this, this courtyard out here outside of the nursery, but one translation of the courts is the community. It says that those who are planted in the house will flourish in the community. Those who are 
planted in the house will flourish in the community. Something's going on. One minister we know uh, said this over and over. He said, success begins on Sunday. Success begins on Sunday. There's so many times where our motive is tested and can be tested. And it takes time to really test the motive. You know, we had two services. I'll end with this. You can stand up. We had two services. And people came and they began to sing. And in two services, you know, people came onto the worship team and were singing. And so when we came back here, we had one service. And all those two teams couldn't sing up front on a mic every day. So we started a choir. And the number of people that were asked to step off of the microphone into the choir just evaluated and looked at it. And people who were asked to step off the microphone and go into the choir actually quit and left the church. And you think after all this time of singing, if you're singing to God, why would you step back? But the motive became revealed. It's more about my singing and having a microphone than it is leading people in praise to God. I'm not coming down. I'm just saying you can go a long time. I mean, that was a few years. And all of a sudden, the situation changes. And what does it do? It reveals our motive. And that's why perseverance in these things is so important because in a moment time, we can go, I got it, I got it. But then you're going to encounter a situation that if you've stayed with it, you've developed, then that critical moment hits and you're like, I know exactly what to do. Be in the choir and lead people in worship to God. But when we haven't persevered, we haven't applied that faith in every area, we're like, what are you doing? You're demoting me. You're backing me off when that's not what's going on. But your character can't handle the change that's going on. And therefore, we don't get to the end. It's proving ground. Because there's a place where our proven character will create an image of him and the characteristics of him that will cause us to see, listen, I've gone through this and I've gone through that and I've gone through this and I'm changing. My mindset is changing. My, my actions are changing. My voice is changing. It's becoming more like him. My heartbeat is becoming more like his. And I can see myself going from anything to the end, not quitting anywhere in the middle. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ, God that's in Christ Jesus. Not what you say about me, not what you think about me, not what you tell me to do that seems too small or too great. Nothing can separate me. When we get that determination to go on and to persevere, God has great things as we develop our character. He plans on putting you in situations that you never dreamed, hoped, asked, or thought. Standing before people you never thought you'd stand before. But he can't bring you there with compromised character. But with proven character, he'll put you in places of influence you never dreamed possible. Not for you, but for that person. For the opportunity to share the goodness of God through the blood of Jesus with someone else. God's preparing us for something he's prepared for us. So when we get to that place, we can occupy it with good character. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and we glorify you. Strengthen us in our inner man with all patience and long-suffering with great joy. And we might persevere these situations of life and the development of the difficulties we see character, your very life and nature being developed from the inside out, not the outside in. Strengthen each one, I pray, in their inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. Cause them to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, knowing that you dwell in their hearts through faith. That in that establishment of a relationship, we might comprehend the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length of your love. Knowing that we're filled with the fullness of God, all that you are and all that you have. That we might work that from the inside out. Be everything that you've called us to be, that we might be a light to the world around us of your goodness, your transforming power to change us from who we were under sin to who you created us to be in righteousness, in holiness, in a son-daughter relationship with you. 
We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Say so as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.